With all the news going on in Ukraine and Russia, many people have forgotten about the truckers in Canada. We've seen a massive amount of freedom restored, not only in Canada, but around the world. And it's largely thanks to those truckers. We know some of them are already in prison. We saw Tamara Lich not only arrested with handcuffs, but also brought the court in shackles. She's unable to get bail, so she's in jail. And this is still ongoing. So unbelievable stuff. But one of the questions that many people had during the demonstration in Parliament, the blocking not only of the border areas, but also the massive demonstration in Ottawa, was what happened to all the trucks? We heard there was tens of thousands, even 50,000 trucks coming from all over Canada descending upon Ottawa. You heard that there were some coming in from the United States as well. But when we got there, we saw that it was maybe a few thousand. When we went up in the helicopter, we saw. One of the most amazing things was a conversation I had in the car with a gentleman who explained some of that to me. His name is Ben Hab, and he is doing a documentary on the convoy of trucks right from BC and other areas into Ottawa. They were there on the ground filming the whole way through, and he can answer that question for us. What happened to all the trucks in the convoy? Stay tuned. Ben Hobb, welcome to the program. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me on. Awesome. Let's begin as we always do with the sign of the cross. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. So, Ben, it was uh, great to talk to you back then uh, in the heyday of all that was going on. Tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, what you're doing with this documentary. For sure. My name is Benjamin Hobb. I'm uh, out of northern BC in Canada, and uh, I own a small production company, and we do... Uh, mainly instructionals, uh, industrial documentaries, uh, safety orientations, and, and promotional videos. And uh, we, a few of our friends were traveling in the convoy out, uh, out east, and some of the reports they were sending back were vastly different than we were seeing on, on uh, uh, legacy media platforms. Um, some of them were calling for, uh, that, they, that there was a, a violent string of trucks that were... Um, out to you know uh, have mayhem and uh, you know uh, overthrow the government downtown in Ottawa and and uh, what Bern Buchert was sending me was uh, vastly different um, from from being on the ground. So uh, we originally went to downtown Ottawa to uh, film a little five minute expose of our experience of what we were experiencing on the ground and seeing how that might differ from legacy media. And our results were vastly different. Uh, what we were experiencing on the ground, uh, what we were seeing with our eyes, uh, the amount of celebration and love around was, was it, it was hard. It was almost hard to see how different it was from what the government was saying, what, uh, what the mainstream media was saying. Uh, and so we knew we had to do something a little bit bigger, and that's that's where uh, the the documentary was born. <laughs> amazing, amazing. 
one of the most interesting aspects, at least when I called you first, was what happened to the trucks? We heard tens of thousands are coming in, yet when we got there, we didn't see that many. We saw lots for sure, tons along Wellington, about six streets or so running north-south, uh, also filled with trucks. But if you counted all that up, you still ended up in a few thousand rather than the tens of thousands that were talked about. And uh, can you answer that question for us? For sure. I mean, to be fair, tens of thousands was probably a bit of a stretch, even even from the from the get go. I mean, you had the 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 left leaning media saying one thing. You had the extreme right saying uh, a completely different thing. I I think uh, giving accurate numbers. Um, was a very difficult thing because there were so many strings of trucks and, and they were broken up with, uh, you know, passenger vehicles as well. So getting accurate numbers from any front was, was very difficult. But what, what we found what was happening uh, in Ottawa, the convoy was, was um, working alongside the police a fair amount uh, to guide them into downtown. They knew they were doing a protest, so there was, uh, there was a fair amount of working together to make sure that this was happening safely. Uh, but what was happening was <clears throat> you'd get a string of 30, 40 uh, trucks or trucks and trailers uh, or just some of the trucks just bobtailing, which, is, which means they don't have a trailer on. And they would be driving along, and all of a sudden they would realize there was no additional vehicles behind them. And uh, what the what the Ontario police were doing were were marshalling some vehicles into uh, areas that were offsite. There was a stadium just out just outside of Ottawa that the parking lot was full of of trucks. There were uh, <clears throat> there was industrial areas where trucks were brought to that were you know 10 20 kilometers away from downtown Ottawa. Uh, even Arm Prior still had a lot of trucks that were still there. Wow. Uh, that didn't even make it uh, anywhere near Ottawa. So there was there was a, a lot of strategic things done in order to in order to minimize the overall look of how many trucks were actually there. Mm -hmm. uh, whether or not that was very intentional or whether or not they were trying to just stop the congestion that was going to be happening downtown, it, it, it's really hard to say, but there, there, was, uh, there was a lot of uh, misdirection on, on where the trucks were going. Now, that being said, was it ten to 50,000 trucks? I, I honestly, I can't think that it was that many, many trucks, honestly. The, uh, the convoy that I was a part of was from the West, and, um, and when we were filming, uh, I was excited to see what 50,000 trucks looked like. It was not 50,000 trucks. I can I can assure you the West Convoy was not that it not in those numbers. Was it still impressive? A hundred percent. It was it was a very impressive string uh, of um, millions and millions and millions of dollars worth of equipment driving on their way to Ottawa to protest. Mm -hmm. Now you had a, an incredible clip of the Western Convoy, uh, a large percentage of them being blocked from entering at all. Um, what happened there? If you can tell us. For sure. So there, there was a lot of um, heavy equipment brought in to block specific streets like city graders, um, a lot of police vehicles, a lot of uh, RCMP mixed with uh, Ontario police, um, mixed with some of their Ontario special service and, and whatnot. And they were blocking uh, the, the one video clip you might have saw there was from 
McDonald, uh, McDonald Street there, where, where uh, a portion of the trucks were split off and about three kilometers from downtown um, were just stopped, stopped at a crossroad with a big grader sitting in front. And they, they were allowed to leave the street and, and, you know, grab fuel and turn around and whatnot. They weren't, they weren't like trapped inside there, but they were blocked from going any closer to downtown. Um, and so uh, a few, probably five, six days after they were parked there on McDonald for a few days, uh, the officers uh, were talking with uh, some of the lead truck drivers saying, okay, we're going to get you in a little bit closer. And, and they started leading them away, essentially, from downtown. Uh, uh, but they, uh, w- what happened is that there was about, I was talking with Vern Buchert, they managed to get themselves onto Nicholas Street, which was fairly close to downtown, a little bit closer than they were. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and they parked about six or seven trucks down there. But again, there was there were so many so many cops redirecting vehicles uh, to be further away. So it was hard to get everything congested right downtown like they were hoping. Right. So you had talked to me about uh, in the stadium, there were trucks parked in some um, some abandoned malls. There were trucks parked. Yeah, there was parking lots everywhere outside of the town. Yeah. So one of the other aspects that I found fascinating was sometimes the uh, truckers were blocked and decided to walk in anyways. Tell us the story about the Quebec uh, blocking there. Oh, for sure. That was phenomenal. At the border from Quebec into Ottawa, there was a there was a fairly large blockade from uh, from the officers with heavy equipment and the <clears throat> a large string of trucks from Quebec and from the east were blocked from getting downtown. And this is the very first day that we were down there. And so the party, like, and I, and I, I, I say it's a party. It was a giant celebration. It was like, uh, I, I, it was essentially like, like Canada day, your 4th of July on steroids. It was, you seen Canadian pride and, and uh, uh, this, this massive, um, earnest love towards Canada being celebrated downtown and Quebec was stuck on the other side of the border <clears throat> they abandoned their trucks they all got out they walked across the bridge and they joined their fellow Canadians downtown and uh, Albertans and Quebec uh, Quebecers they, they they have a little bit of animosity towards each other once in a while they it's it's like a, a good hockey game there you know there's going to be a little bit rougher <laughs> rougher situations if it, if the Quebec and uh, Alberta was in a hockey game together uh, but what you saw was like a genuine love for for one another there was hugging you know you see a, a an Albertan Canadian with a big cowboy hat on and a Quebecer flying his Quebec flag and they're hugging and crying together because they've they've seen their their freedom eroded in canada and and to have them come together in this kind of unity like we've never seen that kind of unity before it's it's it was awe-inspiring and i i knew every every minute we had the camera rolling we were capturing something special and capturing a piece of canadian history yeah that was so evident for everyone who was there it was a party like none other, uh, but I don't mean party in that kind of sense of just. Uh, for sure, I, I, I understand what but you're But it saying. was a yeah. deep, deep love and appreciation for one another. It was unbelievable. Never th- anything I've experienced like that before in, in a public mm-hmm. setting like that. Um, so there was a huge beauty. Uh, 
And yet there was this mismatch between what was going on in the mainstream media, what was being said by the prime minister and the politicians, and then the reality of the situation. Just the other day, uh, we heard the report of the investigation into the truckers, the donations into the GoFundMe page, saying that, nope, it wasn't as it was claimed that there was largely foreign donations. 88% were from Canadians. Um, nope, they didn't find any um, bad actors in the list. They went through and tried to investigate and see who might have. So it's a fake narrative coming uh, that led to, you know, these, some of these really draconian measures, especially going after people's personal bank accounts. Uh, unbelievable. But just how did all that strike you as you experienced yourself, the convoy, and then saw the resulting Emergency Order Act and going after people's bank accounts, now uh, some of the trucker leaders uh, arrested without possibility of bail and in shackles in court as if they're some kind of threat to the public? Uh, confusing, I would say, to, to, to say it lightly. Um, it was, I always felt like there was little bits of bias on different different uh, outlets, you you would take uh, what you would see as a grain of salt. And 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 I had a little bit of background with that. I, I, I film for legacy media quite often. If there's a story up in, in uh, Fort St. John, they'll often hire our firm to go capture some footage and, and, and do, conduct some interviews. And we've done that before. So I've seen the result also of what they've picked out of our footage will have a, a whole interview based around something and they'll say say something along the lines of like well you know it's unfortunate that some of the farmers are losing their land but the economic benefit is is tremendous for our area all they'll take is it's unfortunate some farmers are are losing out on their land and they'll cut it there they won't they won't tell the whole right. sentence yeah. so seeing that firsthand with the footage that we've prepared for legacy media it it uh it makes you second guess what you're what you're watching if that's the full story because i could see it happening with our own footage that we were providing now to be downtown and filming the the items that we're filming and and seeing what their what their focus is on there there was a confederate flag that was downtown there was a mm -hmm. a nazi flag flown at one time uh, as soon as i seen those reports um i act actively spent eight hours looking for one of those flags, for looking for a Confederate flag, for looking for these moments, and I could not find it. Um, yeah. Yet that was that was the reports for the next two and a half, three weeks, and that was the basis of um, what our Prime Minister was talking about with the level of racism and unacceptable behaviors was based on this one flag from one individual that that I never, I could never find. I could never see that hate. I could never see that um, firsthand. And I'm actively looking for it. I'm looking for these narratives that are being portrayed and not able to confirm what is being said. And that's, that was a big eye opener for myself when, when something was so 180 degrees different than what I was, what I was seeing firsthand and trying to find these moments that I could confirm and, and, and have some semblance of trust in, in, uh, in legacy media. And I was having a very difficult time finding that. So that, that for me, that was a big wide, wide eye opener for sure. Wow. And, and a concerning one as well, because 
now you have to second guess everything that you're being told and it's exhausting it is indeed it is indeed and it has real consequence consequence also for people who don't question and therefore turn on the neighbors and it really is creating a division in canada that uh, is hopefully repairable but it'll take a lot of work ben uh, i want to thank you for joining us and also tell folks where they can get your documentary when it's ready Oh, for sure. So uh, we have a, a website. It's www.eaglevisionvideo.ca slash unacceptable doc. So it's unacceptable D-O-C. And there we'll be slowly posting a few updates as we're going along. We're currently uh, just outside of uh, Indian Head, Saskatchewan, traveling our way all the way uh, back to Ottawa, grabbing more interviews as well with people that were uh, having experiences both with Coots down at uh, the Coots border down in Alberta, as well as uh, all the way over to Ottawa. So we just met up with a, a truck driver in, uh, in uh, Indian Head called uh, Pretty Boy Spencer. Uh, Pretty Boy was his radio handle. So most of the truckers went off their radio handles there. But uh, mm -hmm. if you want to see more updates, you can, you can find those on that website, which also links to our Facebook page, YouTube, Instagram as well. Awesome. Thank you so much, Ben Hoff, for being with us, and uh, God bless you. Likewise, I appreciate you having me on the program. Thanks again. Thank you, and God bless all of you. We'll see you next time. We have been warning everyone who would listen and attempting to build up alternative platforms to continue to reach you. We have established ourselves on all sorts of platforms I'm going to explain in a minute, but the most important thing to do is come direct to lifesitenews.com because there we will always be. But we've also established ourselves on platforms like Parler and MeWe and our videos can be found on Rumble as well. We would love to see each of you on those platforms too as they are not censoring or suppressing the truth that we are sharing every single day. More than these alternative social media platforms, we highly encourage you to subscribe to our email newsletter. We have really built up a large list of loyal readers on our email marketing platform, and we have prepared several backup plans for, well, I want to say if, but it's really when, we are removed from our current platform as well. Additionally, I really encourage you, as I said before, to make it a regular habit to go directly to lifesitenews.com. Make it your homepage. While all of these different platforms are an excellent way to curate your news, going directly to our website means that you will never encounter any censorship or sudden loss of LifeSite News reporting. Here's the thing. We will never stop sharing the truth. We founded this organization with the mission to be the life, family, and culture source for men and women who seek to know the truth. We have established a track record of honest reports, and this will never stop, even with censorship happening around the globe. Again, I'm encouraging you to join us on Parler, MeWe, Rumble, and on our email list. You can find all the direct links in the description of this video. May God bless you and keep you, and we are so thankful that you've chosen to follow and support LifeSite News. I'm John Henry Weston, co-founder and editor-in-chief of LifeSite News.